Hey everyone, welcome to Locked on Lakers for Thursday. Brian Kamenetsky and Andy Kamenetsky. Uh, Andy, it's a good thing style points don't matter because if they did, the Lakers wouldn't get any credit for their 99-94 win over Portland on Wednesday. It wasn't pretty, but it was necessary. It did feature another great game from Anthony Davis. That's worth talking about. And another shaky game from Taylor Horton Tucker. That's worth talking about. We'll do both of those things next. You are Locked On Lakers, your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to thank everybody for making Locked On Lakers your first listen of every day, Monday through Friday, sometimes on weekends. We get this thing up for you bright and early. Um, so no matter how you get your podcast, where you get your podcasts, uh, and all of that stuff. This thing is ready and waiting for you whenever you need Lakers content, Andy, at, at, and all of it available at the grand price of not a damn thing. Make another Locked On podcast your second listen of every day. Check out that Locked On Rams with our buddy Travis Rogers as he gets, they haven't lost a game since he took that thing over. So uh, he's a good luck charm. Uh, we'll talk about Taylor Horton Tucker, who had, a, I thought, a particularly difficult first half uh, in the Lakers win on Wednesday night. Um, but overall, this was one of those games, Andy, that it was it was not uh, it was not a, a heartwarming thing. It didn't make you feel any better necessarily about the where the Lakers are or where they're going. But damn, they needed a win. And they did 99-94 over the Blazers at home on Wednesday night. They got the win that they needed. <sighs> this game was Brian, so ugly, so unentertaining to watch. Like, let, let me just preface what I'm about to say with this is a fun job Brian and I have <laughs> doing Locked on Lakers Monday through Friday. You know, there are, there are worse ways that you can make a little scratch than right. talking, talking about basketball, watching right. basketball. Right. It used Ta to be going to basketball, right. less that now, but like, talking, you know. yeah, talking about the Lakers and whatever. And we are as, we say all the time, and I, I hope it is uh, received the way we mean it, which with a ton of sincerity, we are extremely grateful and flattered and, and honored that you all listen to us this regularly and loyally. And for some of you all, it's been you know a decade and a half, and we always appreciate it. This game tonight, Brian, made me rethink all of my life choices. Like, I mean, really, like this game. All of them. Yeah, no, all of that. Like, it made me rethink things that I did on the playground at, like, age six in kindergarten. And, like, you know, what the butterfly effect could have been from, like, a like a game of dodgeball all the way leading up to where I am now. Like, this was very one of those, like, you may find yourself living in a shotgun shack. <laughs> this is not my beautiful house. Like, I, watching this game, I'm just like, what the bleep is going on? I, and it was just one of the – it was funny. Like, the first half – and we'll get to Anthony Davis because, um, again, if you're looking for optimistic things to 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 make it look like, hey, the Lakers have a chance um, when the playoffs roll around. And actually, this game was important in terms of, of what it looks like, how they might get into the playoffs, oh, yeah. beating Portland on Wednesday. Um, we, we'll, we'll make sure to lay out some of why that happens, too, and why tomorrow's or excuse me, tonight's game against the Clippers uh, is is so critical as well. You know, people listening on Thursday. Um it, but like it, you watch this game, 
And Portland missed their first. I, I was keeping rough track on the side. Whatever. Portland missed their first 67 shots. Is my, is my, was, it was my loose count of this game. And like, you know, CJ McCollum was one of nine in, in the first half. Um, Robert Covington didn't hit a shot the entire game. Um, you know, they had dudes missing layups. They had dudes missing outside. Aside from Norman Powell um, and, a, and like a, a stretch from use of Nurkic that was that was pretty good. Like that, they were terrible. Ben McLemore uh, did not have his revenge game. <laughs> he was one. They, for they nine. finished Brian uh, the first quarter, uh, shooting twenty six percent from the field and mm-hmm. missed all six of the threes that they, they tried. finished the game at thirty six percent from from. They couldn't even hit free throws, Andy. They, the Lakers, uh, you know, somehow managed to hold them to fifty three percent from the free throw line. No. Um, Lakers didn't and, have much to brag about there themselves. Uh, no, they I, we'll get to it. But like you know, you looked at this, and you know the Lakers were over fifty percent in the first half, and they weren't winning. Like the game was basically tied at the half, and you're just like, well, this isn't good. And and really, the explanation, as far as I could tell, was just turnovers. Well, it was turnovers and missed free throws. The Lakers missed 11 free throws in this game. They got to the line 33 times and only made 22 of them. They turned the ball over 17 times and gave up 24 points in the process to Portland. And on top of it, Port. this is amazing. I, I don't remember, Brian seeing this in a game before. Like off the top of my head, I'm sure I have at some point, you and I have watched a bleep ton of basketball over the years, but I don't off the top of my head ever remember seeing this. Portland had 13 turnovers until the very last like couple minutes of the fourth quarter. The Lakers had yet to score a point mm-hmm. off those turnovers. But like, is that, is that been like, this has been one of those years where like a lot of weird things like that have been happening. Like you look up, I forget which game it was. It was, you know, I, I, you know, you look up and you're like, geez, I don't think the Lakers have an offensive rebound. And then yes. Austin Reeves had like two near the end yeah. of the third quarter. And I forget which game it was, but it was, you know, last week at some point. I just, it's, the, you know, fans sometimes, you know, people on the Locked on Lakers YouTube channel or whatever, we, you know, thank you all for all the comments you leave there. And we try to be, um, as responsive as we can, I think sometimes think we get too wrapped up in moral victories and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, no doubt, look, you do one of these every day. You do try to find the things to be optimistic about the things to be hopeful about, because we all want the, the, the team to figure out a way to be successful. It's good for everyone. Fans want it. The team wants it. You know, it's good for the show. It's good. Just, you know, every, on every level, it's, 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 it's preferable. Good for the old pocketbook. If we're being that's totally right. transparent about this, we're Brian and I well, are set. To that's make, really what I meant when I said it's good for the show. I yeah, just wasn't being quite as explicit about let, it. But yes, me, it is. Me, we we make more money. Thank you. Show, I was going to say. Let, well. let me be blunt. Brian and I stand to make much more money if the Lakers are really good and there are more people incredibly interested in what's going on for the longest time possible. I.e all the way to the finals, winning a championship. Brian and I will have a more lucrative lucrative run at this. Yes. And I have there you go. three children. Mm-hmm. <laughs> three. It's like it's a, it, we, live, we live in a Dickensian sort of thing with the children covered in coal dust, running around asking for more food all the time. 
Um, and it's just like, you, you have to find some of the, the optimistic stuff to look at, but this was just a terrible basketball game. And, um, you know, I, I would love to say that the Lakers played good defense, you know, throughout that first half, but I don't, I'm not really sure that they did. I I Uh, actually, I I disagree with you there. I thought they played, I was going to say, I think they got better as it went. I, I actually thought they played pretty active. They they played, I thought, good defense in the first half of the game. And, you know, when they were holding down Portland to a lot of those misses, you know, it does it help that Portland's not very good? Sure. Mm-hmm. But in terms of watching the Lakers out there, challenging, it's not like Portland was missing a lot of wide-open threes. Like, I, I want to give them credit. I, I actually thought they... They they played well defensively against a bad team. They just didn't play well themselves. Selves, the right. I, I just my, where I was going with that was I was more impressed by by the way that they defended in the in the fourth quarter in the third and fourth quarter where they you know it was it was forty one points they allowed in the second half, um, and they didn't give themselves a lot of room um, to to be um, anything but good on that end because the offense was not good at all. Um, and I, I was more impressed with that. And I will say this, I was more, I was given how bad they've been in fourth quarters, the way they were bad, you know, the, the, what happened in Charlotte, what happened in Atlanta in terms of how they close games to close this one at 27 to 19, in the fourth quarter to overcome a, a deficit going into the fourth quarter as they did, they were down three going into the fourth. That was good. And it didn't look good, and it wasn't pretty, and it doesn't change my where are they now view of the Lakers. But it was an improvement over what they had been doing on the road trip, and it was very necessary because this allows them to, if they beat the Clippers Thursday night, it allows them to leapfrog the Clippers into eighth, and that matters. It gets them, it keeps them closer to Minnesota to get up to the seven. All of that matters. If you want to have any shot at all to get to Denver, uh, you know, in Dallas, they both lost two straight. Um, and like you have to be able to, to win these games and they managed to find a way to do it in a stretch where you kind of felt like they were going to find ways to lose almost everything. So I, I, I was pleased by that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, this was not an inspiring win by any stretch of the imagination, but it was important. And the bottom line is the Lakers banked it. Yep. All right. So let's talk about AD. Uh, because, yeah, look, the the formula is there. We'll 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 discuss it, and it looks as if Anthony Davis is prepared to hold up his end of things. Talk about it next. Locked on Lakers, brought to you by Bet Online. There may be less football right now being played, but BetOnline.net has way more odds and info for this playoff season, from scores, totals, player performances, props, where the next coach is going to end up landing. Bet online is the number one spot for all things NFL betting in 2022. And it's not just football. BetOnline.net's got basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC odds and coverage. It's the best in the business from sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games. BetOnline is the number one online wagering destination. BetOnline, the fastest, easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. BetOnline, where the games start. The basic theory that people are going to look at right now for the Lakers is this. If they may be discombobulated, Andy, they may be uh, coming through a terrible season. They're going to have to most likely 
uh, get into the playoffs like they did last year through the play-in tournament. But the formula is, if LeBron James is playing like playoff LeBron, top five caliber player in the league, if Anthony Davis plays like bubble AD, you have a top five player in the league. That's two top five guys. And Phoenix and Golden State and any of these other teams say what you will about their continuity, about their depth, about everything that they don't have two top five guys. Add to that a competent Westbrook, you know, experience coming out. That's the formula. And Anthony Davis has not been holding up his end of the bargain throughout most of the year in terms of being a top five guy, but he has since he's come back. 30 points, 15 rebounds, two, two assists, three more blocks on Wednesday night. He is, continues to play extremely well. Yeah, he talked about it after the game. That um, he, It was an interesting question he was asked by uh, Kyle Goon, friend of the show from the uh, so, what is it, Southern, Southern California, California News Group. News Group. Basically, it's, like, it's the LA Daily News, but it's 6,000 other little papers too. Right, exactly. Um, but uh, he, he asked him if he was kind of – playing fiery or mad during this game like if there was sort of like that type of feeling going on for him and you know 80s said that he was just trying to get back to his old self and in the process also just play to exhaustion which i thought was a really interesting and if i'm a laker fan really reassuring thing to hear from anthony davis just like the idea that he recognizes like we are long past bleeping around time at this point like and there is nobody on this team with a greater responsibility and onus than me. Like right now, this is on me. You know, mm -hmm. LeBron, uh, Frank Vogel said before the game is getting closer. You know, he is moving in the right direction, but the rehab hasn't hurt anything, which I right. thought was an interesting way of putting it. Well, but I mean, look with what we've seen Talk with Kendrick, Kendrick Nunn, Nunn. Yeah, I mean that that actually it's easy to joke about it, but at the same time. That ain't, that ain't the worst thing you're going to hear no, right true. now. That just there are no setbacks. It's moving in the right direction, but you got to get that swelling down. And this is not an exact science. So until that happens, nobody will be shouldering a bigger load. Nobody should be shouldering a bigger load than Anthony Davis. And to his credit, since coming back, and you know he talked about this a lot heading into the season. Like you, you and I, Brian, noted a few times during the preseason that of the big three, and frankly, maybe even the whole team, certainly the veterans, AD was the only guy who seemed to be taking it seriously. Like really like oh, locked in. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, like locked in with the idea of, okay, this is, this is a foundation building time. And on top of it, AD was coming off a season that was, if nothing else, by his standards, substandard. And it was definitely disappointing because he was hurt during the playoffs. As you mentioned, Brian, Throughout the course of the season, on balance, he has not lived up to that. But since coming back, man, there's been an urgency that I've really enjoyed seeing on top of the fact that it's just been really fun to watch him play. He's just so good. I mean, that's the thing. It's like he's – you had forgotten what – kind of what bubble AD looked like, what it looks like when he is playing at a dominant level. I mean, I thought it was really – what was really telling about his game on Wednesday was he got to the free throw line 14 times. Um, that is always a really good barometer of 
what style of game he's playing, how aggressive he's being, how much he's forcing the action and 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 really looking to assert himself. Get the line 14 times and there haven't been that many of those games for him. I was wondering about this because and you know the Philly game to your point India was was a sort of an example of just how much fun it is to watch him when he's good. And like that that sort of battle with Joel Embiid where they they look so much like the sort of the similar types like these just freakish athletes freakish human beings doing things that people at their size should not be able to do and you're just reminded of how good he is i wondered about this because going into the bubble because of the long delay and the long pause that there was in the season there was a lot of time for people to talk about is anthony davis going to show up in the playoffs um, is this is he going to be the guy that they need him to be? Well, it was the first time he was playing in a in a postseason mm-hmm. where he was on a team with actual expectations, right? And it was and, and there was time to talk about it, and it, it was I think, and I, I wonder how much of that was internalized by Davis, and you know how much he hurt him. He's he sat for six weeks, and in that six weeks, it was mostly a lot of. Hmm. You know, he's going to be much better when he comes back. There was a lot of critique of his performance. Not that it was bad. It was still an all-star caliber level, but it wasn't what they needed. It was third team instead of first team, you know, all NBA or whatever it might be. Um, you know, honorable mention, still get me, I get you on the all-star t- team, but they needed first team all NBA caliber play. And I think he heard it and has internalized some of that stuff. And it is to our benefit as people who watch the team and follow the team and want the team to succeed that that may be the case. And I, I could be armchair psychologist this, but I, I don't think that's unrelated. I think I think he has heard a lot of the criticisms of his play to this point in this season. Well, I mean, I hope you're correct. It's it's very difficult to to get a gauge on this stuff covering the team the way we have had to from Zoom as opposed to, you know, being in the locker room like we typically have been. You get more of just a sense of vibe and body language and all that sort of stuff. I I thought it was really interesting after the game. uh, Carmelo Anthony, who, if we have not singled him out, was terrific in this game. He had 24 points off the bench, hit five threes, really played very, very He was the only other guy from a scoring standpoint. Westbrook had good peripherals. There were other guys who did some stuff. But from a pure scoring standpoint, somebody's got to put points on the board. He was the only other one uh, to to was productive in that way other than Anthony Davis. Yeah, he was the first guy on the team to hit double digits. He had 10 points in the first, I believe, in the first quarter. Mm -hmm. He was either four or four or five for five on, on his first however many shots. But he was asked after the game basically about just like what he can do or how he could potentially help with Anthony Davis, what he has done in terms of helping Anthony Davis always have that mentality. And it was interesting. I thought that Mello said like, look, I am in his ear. I will stay in his ear because I know the type of player that he is. I know the type of player that he can be. But at the same time, I can't tell Anthony Davis how to be that guy. Like, ultimately, it's a mentality that Anthony Davis has to discover what it means for himself. And, like, how you go about doing that is a very individual thing. And say what you will about Carmelo Anthony in terms of what he either has accomplished in his career, hasn't, whatever. 
he knows exactly what it is to be that guy mm-hmm. and have the expectations of a team on his shoulders. And he has never shied away from it. And he knows what all. and he knows what it is to hear people bitching about how you're oh, doing. Yeah. That's a great and, point. And whether or not you're you're point. falling short of that of that expectation. And yeah. I mean, probably more than any, I mean, he's not a superstar anymore, but he's a superstar name, probably more than any superstar in the league. I mean, I mean, even even LeBron, you know, you have to balance it with the oh yeah, but he's won all those titles thing. Yeah, um, Melo, I mean, it's for a long time until he you know kind of came back in the league and people stopped thinking of him in that group was almost exclusively yeah, but you haven't done this, yeah, but you haven't done that. Yeah, I mean, the only other guys I can think of off the top of my head who've been through it the same way recently, like Melo, would be either Chris Paul, Chris Paul. Who I think got it off, you know, got it off his back by getting to the finals and even what he what he did with OKC the one year he was there, and Westbrook. But you know, Westbrook's won an MVP. Like you know, he's done certain things that Melo never has before. But yeah, you're right. I mean, no, Mello- but Russ is a good comp in that in that regard. And and you know, what do we all say about you know, in some ways about Russ? But CP, I think, benefited just from I think being considered a better player. Like, sure, yes, he never made it to here, and yes, he hasn't. You know, it, it is a it is a knock on his career. But we're talking about a guy who's just a more well rounded and, and 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 just gonna, better. Just a well, I was going to say I was going to say with Chris Paul, the difference is. And this isn't. This may not be totally fair to Mello. Um, I understand where it's coming from, but Chris Paul's desire to win and you know where he prioritizes winning has never been questioned the way it has been for Mello with some of the career choices that Mello's made, yeah. or you know things like He's that. Scoring more important than winning. Right. I mean, yes, but, I, I I I agree with you. It's probably not fair to Mello, but I do think it's accurate in terms but, of. Of how people have talked, but either way, though, I just I thought it was interesting hearing Mello talk about that, and Mello basically just saying, like, "Look, Anthony Davis is absolutely capable of being that guy. He's playing that way for now. Is it a given that he's going to be that guy? I think I think Mello has been around him long enough to recognize. No, it's not a given, but I'll do my part. Mm -hmm. I'll I'll try to make it happen on a regular basis, whatever I can as his teammate. He recognizes the importance of it for for AD, if nothing else." Yeah, um, let's uh, a couple a couple quick things I want to say about this before we we move on, uh, and let's also talk about THT because he is in a weird place um, that uh, guys like Kyle Kuzma and Lonzo Ball and Julius Randle and D'Angelo Russell and all the other guys who have come through the system for the Lakers probably <laughs> recognize. We'll talk about it next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models out there, it is impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. And why would you spend 30%, 50%, 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or new car dealership anyway, dummy? You can get it for way less at rockauto.com. For example, Honda Odyssey fuel pump, $353 from a chain store, only $216 from Rock Auto. They're a family business. They've been serving auto park customers online for 20 years whether it's a classic or daily driver you can get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door just go to rockauto.com right now see all the parts available right locked on in the how did you hear us about us box so they know we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com 
Um, a couple things before we move on to THT. Uh, I I wonder, I, I'm fascinated how like if if like Prime Kobe would have handled being AD's teammate. You know, like we we always talk about like POW as as a is an interesting template for for AD, not in the sense that they are comparable players, because I think AD is is better than POW. Um, but in terms of some of what seems to sort of hold them back sometimes, um, you know, Powell was always that guy who sometimes needed to be prodded a little bit to just reach his top end. And, you know, Kobe uh, was not shy about prodding. <laughs> I, think, I think we can we can all agree about that. I would, it would just be every once in a while I, I, I try I, I think about what that might have looked like as opposed to the things that, I, that I'm sure LeBron James does. Yeah. Look, to try man, to get him going and get him motivated. We had front row seats for this, Brian. Not just for Kobe with Powell and the type of pushing that he would do to bring the best out of him and you know the frustration that we would sometimes see from Kobe towards Powell, even though Kobe recognized what he had in Powell and mm-hmm. valued it. Absolutely. And that was part of the reason why he'd get frustrated in the first place. But Brian, we saw this up close and personal with Lamar Odom before they brought in before they brought in Powell. Because Lamar was supposed to be the number two alongside Kobe. And, you know, he was less fit for it for a variety of reasons, talent actually being the least of them. Lamar absolutely had the talent for it. He was an exceptionally naturally talented guy. But from a lot of different, I'd say, mental and philosophical standpoints, Lamar just wasn't going to be that dude. Mm-mm. But, I mean, we, we saw it. We, we know exactly how it would work. You, I mean, what you would hope was just that it would never turn into anything like what Kobe had with Dwight the first time around, that Dwight was with the Lakers. But I, I don't think Anthony Davis would ever do things that would have brought out that type of frustration from Kobe in the first place. Um, the other part about this, and, and I know people out there will, will say that it's, you know, it's Pollyanna, it's, you know, you're just you're kissing the ass of the team and all these other things. I think we've been pretty realistic about what we think is is coming for this team and where they are and whatever but i will and i'll keep saying it until lebron comes back uh and when he comes back and and if they're they're playing well as bad as things were last year and as discombobulated as things were last year they got to the playoffs and were in position to beat phoenix in the first round if anthony davis doesn't get hurt i'm not saying they would have i think they would have but it's obviously not a guarantee so as bad as things, they were in a position to beat a team that eventually went to the finals. And um, talent, the sheer level of talent can do that in this league um, if you catch, especially if you catch a team at the right time. So we'll see how that goes. Um, Stu Lance was speaking all sorts of truth on the uh, broadcast of this game Wednesday night. This this team, and we love Stu. You know, he, he's great at what he does, and he's a hell of a nice guy on top of it. This team is going to kill Stu Lance. Stu does not – Stu is – for people who don't know Stu Lance, he is a very – he is a man of deep principle. Uh, he is a man of great discipline. Like, he is always early for the flight. Like, you know, go, we'll get Mike Trudell on the show to just tell Stu Lance stories about traveling with Stu and being on the traveling party with Stu. Well, every I'll just say this before you get to the point you're going to make. There have been a few times separately or together that we've interviewed Stu either for podcasts or things we're writing, whatever. If you tell Stu the call is at 2 o'clock, that call comes in at Precisely two o'clock. Two o'clock, and and it does not come in at one 
you know, one o'clock, 59 minutes, 50 seconds. It does not come in at two o'clock and 11 seconds. It comes in at the two strike of two. Two o'clock. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that he said that was spot on accurate, and I was actually, uh, had put it in my own notes, was speculating openly whether or not Taylor Horton Tucker, who again, particularly struggled in the first half of, of the game on uh, on Wednesday, and, you know, his finishing line was not exactly spectacular, five points, five assists, um, three turnovers in 18 minutes, um, as to whether or not being the subject of trade rumors and being involved in all this deadline, pre-deadline talk and all that that's been going on really for a few weeks now um, is bothering him and is part of the reason that his play has been up and down, more down really than up lately. Um, and I think he's right. I think there's a good chance that THT, if nothing else, takes a exhales and starts playing a little bit more comfortably after February 10th. Let me put this in perspective for you right now. Over the last seven games, including the one that the Lakers just played against Portland, he has 33 points combined. Ever since scoring 20 points on January 19th, he has not scored more than eight points in a game. He is, over the last seven games, averaging 6.6 points per game, uh, 39% from the field, 30% from behind the arc, rounding up. Two and a half to one assist to turnover ratio. So, I mean, that's fine, but he has not looked good. He has not looked comfortable. And you, you mentioned, Brian, the three turnovers in this game against Portland. A couple of them were like basically in succession in the first mm -hmm. half. Frank Vogel actually took him out for like a minute and a half, just basically like, I think, just telling him, like, breathe, relax, yeah, and put stop, you back in the game, reset, and then go try again. Yeah. yeah like, you, you got to settle down, kid. And, it's not even just that Talon Horton Tucker's hearing his name in, you know, the trade rumors. I, I would say not even just over the last few weeks. He's been hearing them, Brian, ever since he signed that contract. Mm -hmm. And then it became clear because the Lakers didn't bring back Alex Caruso and Kendrick Nunn is the only contract they have that isn't either a max or a league minimum other than THT and, and Nunn. THT's been hearing this basically since the offseason. But the thing about it that I think has got to even magnify this more for THT and be even more distracting, he's the only guy. It's right. It's the lack of cover. It's like it's one thing if it's, well, would you give up THT? Would you give up Kyle Kuzma? Would you give up uh, uh, you know, Julius Randle? Would you give up Josh? Brandon Hart? Ingram. You, uh, Brandon Ingram, all these like th that's been the the norm. Even going back to last year, it was well, would they trade Schroeder? Would they trade this? It was four or five guys. And, you know, THA was part of it. There was the Kyle Lowry thing. All I think that got more attention, I think, if I remember correctly, after the deadline than it did during. Um, it was sort of out there, but it more was like, oh, wow, they could have done that and didn't. A lot of that was post-deadline rather than pre. Um, but it was always, it's, it's always easier when there's somebody else. Yeah. Like there's anybody else. And it's and so much of this isn't even related to how well he plays. It's like if the Lakers want to get better, they have to make a trade. He's the only one they can trade. He's I, it. That's it. That's all they have to do. I, That's got to wear on a 21-year-old a little bit. I cannot recall, certainly in our time covering the Lakers, but you know, you look around the league. Like I, I was trying to think about this. Like the last time, there's obviously going to be guys on teams more high profile than others. 
that people pay attention to in terms of who might get moved. Like you look at the Wizards, for example. Obviously, the most focus is on Bradley Beal and whether the team would actually move off him or not. But you still hear about like perhaps Kuzma getting moved again or KCP or Montrez Harrell or Rui sure. Hachimura, you know, like guys like that, like because maybe they, they would look to bring in somebody so they could keep Beal, so they could make him more inclined to want to stay, that he actually has something there. You know, with the half the Blazers are on the block theoretically. But again, there's 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 sort of there's, strength. There's, there's protection in the group. Right, exactly. Like THT's basically just out there naked, man. Like it's just him. And like even like Kendrick Nunn gets brought up, but like depending on what's going on with with Nunn health wise, he might not even have to report anywhere if he gets traded. Yeah. Like it's, it's that's it gotta be and weird. I, and I think, you know, we can wrap it here. I think that that combined with the natural progression in this league where if you come in and you start doing stuff, people will eventually begin paying attention. And the scouting report on him is is definitely out there. And I think, you know, is showing some of the limitations that he has right now, particularly as an outside shooter, that people are like, well, he's going to drive uh, to create space. And that's and when he, you know, when now when he gets there, he doesn't quite know what to do. I th- there's the, the league is adjusting to him. I think mentally he's in a difficult spot right now. And you put it all together and you get a guy who's not played very well over his last six or something games. Um, so uh, Thursday night after the Clippers game, we're going to do a crossover episode, talk a little bit about these two teams that are locked in with each uh, each other in terms of that, you know, that, that play in game and all that other kind of stuff. So a significant game. Uh, tomorrow, excuse me, Thursday night with the Clippers. We will talk about it with the Locked On Clippers guys after the game. Uh, a little Western Conference talk there and get a feel for what the rest of the season holds. Uh, Locked On Lakers on YouTube. Subscribe there. Uh, we will see everybody on Friday.